Hey friends, welcome back to the No Wrong Turns podcast with me, Audrey Hickman Hunter. I'm Audrey and I'm your host. I am so happy that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Every other Tuesday, we have an awesome guest come on and chat about their story and their passions and how their passions have grown and evolved throughout their story. Subscribe to the No Wrong Turns pod with Arjula Hickman Hunter on your podcast player or app so you guys will never miss an episode. Hey friends, happy Tuesday and happy year anniversary to the No Wrong Turns pod. Thank you listeners for hanging out with us in your earbuds, your headphones, your car trips, your workouts, your walks around the neighborhood, wherever you're listening to us. Thank you so much for your investment and support with the podcast. I am so excited to enter year two of podcasting with you all. To celebrate, we'll be having a giveaway soon in collaboration with one of my friends. Make sure that you check our social media on Instagram or Facebook to be able to enter to win. Thank you again so much for listening and supporting the No Wrong Turns pod. I seriously cannot wait for year two of podcasting and look forward to growing the podcast and growing our No Wrong Turns community. If you're listening to this pod around the day that it comes out, then we are about to enter Thanksgiving week. Crazy how we got here so quickly. For me, I feel like I just blinked and it was Halloween yesterday and today we're about to have Thanksgiving. As of today, we, my husband and I have no idea what we're doing for the actual day of Thanksgiving. This year, holiday plans are just going to be tricky and tough to navigate the balance of how to keep those we love healthy and at the same time wanting just to cancel the threat of COVID so we can just be with and keep the traditions with those who we love on the holidays coming up. Check out the December book club selection called Me and White Supremacy, Combat Racism, Change the World, and Become a Good Ancestor by Layla Saad. Our next book club meeting is Tuesday, December 15th at 7.30 p.m. Chicago time. You can find me on the social medias and I can give you more info on the book club. And you can see the show notes for the book link. Listeners, welcome to the 27th episode. Today on the podcast, we have Sarah McCula. I met Sarah from our church growing up. Throughout today's podcast, you'll hear Sarah reference many of our past podcast guests. Sarah worked with Chris Shea from episode two at the World Missions Bureau. And she's friends with Eric Himes, who actually recommended Columbia College for her to go to. Eric was in episode 23, and she was roommates with Lindsay Bailey from episode 17. Sarah is a retired podcaster, and during this COVID season, she has made, she guesstimates, 70 to 100 masks. But more importantly, she is passionate about the local church and women's ministries. Sarah grew up in Michigan, first in Detroit, and then her family moved out to a rural suburb of Detroit. Growing up, her family always had two dogs and a cat. She enjoyed trying out and trying all of the sports, including softball, figure skating, soccer, and volleyball. The sport that she thinks that she was the best at was snowboarding, 
Where she grew up in Michigan, there was a small ski hill where she learned how to snowboard and where she worked slinging nachos. Sarah says that she loves learning, but not academics. This made for a tricky situation when deciding what she wanted to do for college. She ended up moving to Chicago where she majored in fashion business management at Columbia College. At the end of college, Sarah made the life-changing decision to focus and get serious about her commitment and relationship with Jesus. And this changed everything for her. Sarah worked at the Salvation Army, beginning in the World's Missions Department, then at the thrift stores, and lastly in the Women's Department. Sarah shares with us how all of these parts of her story prepared her and her husband Simon for what would come next in their story, becoming pastors. You are for sure going to want to lean in and not miss hearing Sarah's story as she highlights her passions of serving in the local church and her love for women's ministry and being obedient to what the Lord is calling her to. No matter if this is your story and you can relate to her or not, I believe that there is something in this episode for you. All right, here's my conversation with Sarah. Welcome to the No Wrong Turns podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Sarah Makula. Makula. That's Did right. I get it? You got it. Awesome. Thanks for being on the podcast, Sarah. Thank you, Audrey. I just want to take a moment and just say how impressed I am with you, with oh, your podcast. Thank you. thank you. From one podcaster to another, it really means a lot. You, you know what? When you sent me that initial email, I was like, wow, that's how it's done. That's how the initial e- that's how the initial communication is done. I wish I could redo a few because <laughs> it was just so polished, very polished, very thoughtful, very clear. So bravo to you. Oh, thank you very much. I, mm-hmm. I thank you. I'll receive that. Yes. Um. So Sarah, can you tell us? I mean, they know already that you are a fellow podcaster, but can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, about who mm-hmm. you are, where you're from, maybe just you know the highlights so we can get to know you. Yeah. Well, I'll. I would say that I'm a retired podcaster. Okay. I'm retired, retired because it was a part of my former job, and I quit that job last August, last August, when my husband and I, my husband Simon and I enrolled in the Salvation Army's College for Officers training. So that's what's new with me. My husband and I are what is called first cadet, wait, first year cadets at the college. And before all this, we lived in Lombard. We've been married. We just celebrated seven years together. We got married when we were 30. You can do the math. And we went to the Salvation Army Oak Brook Terrace Corps. That was a very important big part of our life, that church. And we, I worked for the Salvation Army for 12 years, first starting off in the World Missions Department. Then I worked for a little bit in the Adult Rehabilitation realm. I worked in the Chicago Northside location where I met my husband. And then I went back to territorial headquarters where I'd previously worked to work in women's ministries, which I really, really loved. And I really poured, that's the job I feel like I poured most of my heart into. And that is where I did the podcast. 
And yeah, so that's a bit of the work life, church life. I've lived in Chicago since 2002. I moved here from Michigan, from southeastern Michigan, when I was 19. And um, it's not that I didn't necessarily want to go home. Just it never, I just got here and it just stuck. It's a great place, great town, Chicago. It's a great town. I love it. Awesome. So you said you grew up in Michigan. So can you tell us a little bit about what life was like for you growing up? Maybe some highlights? Yeah. Okay. Wait, quick thing. Did you have you had, well, you can include this. Okay. (laughs) Has Chris Shea been on this podcast? I I believe she was episode two. So shout out to Chris Shea episode two. Hey, Chris. So Chris was my boss for five years and Chris and I would talk about our childhood a lot. You know, she grew up in Rockford Mm -hmm. and I spent time the first seven years of my life growing up in Detroit. And then we moved out to the far, far, like rural suburbs of Detroit. But it was funny when she, you know, she's, she could be my mother. Her childhood life in Rockford mirrored my childhood life in Detroit. So interesting. The way we played outside, I think both our dads were kind of machine workers, mm-hmm. just a lot of that, like that, fa- the nuclear family piece and the kind of vibe and culture of the block I lived on and the block she lived on. So that might oh. not say a whole lot about Detroit. Detroit's working very hard to catch back up to the world. But so that's where my life started in, in Detroit. I went to, I started elementary school in Detroit and then we moved out to a town called Howell, which is much more rural. And in that time, you know, my, we went to the Salvation Army as our church. It's where my dad grew up going to a Salvation Army church as a child. Uh, He was one of those kids. He lived in a, the projects, he lived in a project in Detroit that received Salvation Army, like a bus ministry. So a bus would roll in and a bunch of kids would pile in and they'd go to the local Salvation Army. And um, from there, yeah, so from there, my grandma started attending, and she really, really loved the the Salvation Army. She really found her home and her place in what is Women's Ministries now. Back then was called Home League, and it's just really a part of my heritage, the Home League Women's Ministries, part of the Salvation Army, and and yeah, so that's a little bit about the young life. It's It was my mom, my dad, and my sister and I, the four of us, lived together from childhood up until my sister and I took off when we were old enough to leave the house. Nice. This is just random, but did you have any pets or anything like that growing up? Oh yeah, we are big pet people. We always had two dogs and a cat. And wow. my my dog, the first dog, died when I was 18 and we got her when I was two. So this wow, dog. That would be a hard loss. Yeah. She was like my little sister. Yeah. So yeah, we've always been dog people. My parents have always had two dogs. My mom has two dogs right now. <laughs> does she have a cat as well? She does not. The cat thing was actually my thing. So when that cat finally died, she took a while to go as well. <laughs> they did not fill her spot. So, yeah, we love pets. 
Awesome. Just curious. Mm -hmm. So when you were in high school, what were some of the kind of interests or hobbies that filled your time? I am very sporty, but I'm not very athletic. And I guess what I mean by that is I just, I love to play. So Mm -hmm. I might have not been that great at the sport, but I really wanted to try. I really wanted to be a part of the team. So even from like middle school, I'd try out for basketball. I wouldn't make the team, but I so (laughs) wanted it. I like wanted it so much. I never made the team, but kept trying. I played some softball in late elementary and middle school. I figure skated for a time. Yeah, for five years. But again, I wasn't very good. I I got so dizzy when we were learning the spins. I couldn't maintain it. I would imagine so. (laughs) Yeah, it was not good for me. I was sad because I really love, I love figure skating. And then I did soccer. I tried volleyball. And actually the one sport that really I was fairly good at, Mm -hmm. um, but it took some time to learn, but I, I, I feel like I have the most skill in is snowboarding Oh, because where I grew up in Howell, the town next door, Brighton, had what is called Mount Brighton and it's like a local ski hill you know uh-huh it was probably like an old garbage dump that <laughs> no like literally that they they transformed into a, a summertime golf course and then in the winter uh ski resort quote unquote so that's oh, where wow. I got to learn and that's that was actually my first job was working at Mount Brighton blinging nachos Oh, so. nice. I love me some nachos with that hot cheese. Yeah. yeah. So I was always trying to stay active. I just loved to play. I loved the camaraderie of sports and teams. So I did filled that with my, my time. I loved, I was in choir in high school. Also not very good at singing, but I loved the the community of choir. Mm-hmm. And it was a really big deal in, in that high school. And there was like a legacy. My sister's a very, very skilled singer. She would at, at our... Salvation Army camp, Central Music Institute, CMI. She would win a lot of top, Ooh. top vocal awards, and I, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the community part of a choir, so I was big into that in high school, and and I did stay active in our core. But I was also kind of like a party girl in high school and college, so it was an interesting line I walked (laughs) it was not always good but uh, there was a lot of things I did love about high school and that's those teen years like coming out to camp I loved coming out to camp in Wisconsin in the summers in high school where I met a lot of my very best friends that I'm still friends with today same yep um so when you were kind of maybe junior senior year what were you kind of thinking about your next steps did you know if you wanted to go to college or were you thinking about starting to work did you just want to get out of the town or did you want to stay there what what were your thoughts you know I think I've changed a ton since high school in terms of my planning because right now I'm much more (laughs) of a planner and I have been for the last 10 years but those last two years of high school, I like, I, I, I feel like I never thought about the very next day. Like, and I didn't have super high grades hovered around, around a 3.0, sometimes would drop 
below that, sometimes go above. So it was at that weird grade point average. I knew that the some of the universities in Michigan, it just wasn't quite high enough mm-hmm. to secure a spot. So I, I kind of knew that I was like, I guess I, I'm probably going to have to go to community college to start things off because mm. this is, I just don't have high enough grades. And I didn't love, I love learning, but I don't love academics. I don't like homework. Mm. I'm not, I'm easily distracted in a lecture but at the same time, I love learning, so I really needed to find a school <laughs> that that made sense in. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, for junior, senior, I just didn't give it a lot of thought. I knew I, I the thing I always loved from, as a child is I really loved fashion. I, I loved dressing Barbie dolls. I loved paper dolls. I loved any apparel that I put on or I put on dolls. And so mm-hmm. that was always something I really that was the first, if someone asked what I wanted to do or like, I'd be like, I want to be like a fashion designer, but mm-hmm. I didn't really apply myself. The most I applied myself was taking a sewing class in senior year, which I really enjoyed and have, you know, that has given me lifelong skills where I can sew and I've sewn 70 to hundred masks in this last two months. Wow. That's so impressive. It is skills that has, have, I've carried with me. So that's been good. Yeah. But no, I didn't think I didn't plan too well in that time. And so when I graduated, I still didn't know what I was doing. And I always worked. So I always had part-time jobs. And at that point I was like, well, I'm just going to keep working. And I guess I'll go to, I guess I'll go to, it's called Schoolcraft. That's like a, a fairly local community college. I was like, I guess I'll go to Schoolcraft because I'd rather go closer to Detroit than Lansing or Flint. So I went towards Detroit Mm -hmm. and, but I hated it. I hated community college (laughs) and I dropped out. Did you have to move to go to community college or did you, were you able to stay at home? I was able to stay at home and I started working at Joanne Fabrics in the fabric department and really started trying to be more, put more, having more conversations with my parents about what's, what's going to happen. What's going on Mm -hmm. here, Sarah, what, what do you want to do? How can we keep you moving forward? And so I did. Mm-hmm. I applied to Michigan State for textile design. Merch. It was merchandising and textile design. Okay. And they they I got rejected from Michigan State because my grades just weren't high enough. And they said, mm-hmm. put some more time in at the community college and try again. And and then uh, oh, you know who I, I just remembered. My friend, Eric Himes, back then said, hey, have you ever heard of this school called Columbia College? It's in Chicago. And it's a really art, it's like an art school. They have a fashion program. You should check it out. So I was like, okay. So my mom and I started looking into it. My mom and dad and I came down. I mean, maybe it's just my mom and I came for a visit, visit weekend in, say, like, it was like March 2002 and mm-hmm. I just loved it I loved I was terrified terrified of my mom driving in the city it scared me so much <laughs> I was melting down it just really freaked me out I because Detroit downtown is not like Chicago downtown but once we got on foot walking around <laughs> the blocks of Chicago I just I loved it I love the buildings that Columbia had classes in they were just these old beautiful brick high rises and 
the programs just, it just seemed like me. I felt very at home. And to top it off, they have open admissions. They didn't, yeah, which was like perfect for me. Not that I was, not that I like had Fs or Ds. I just didn't have, here's what I think about Columbia. They just, they don't place that much value on great the letter the letters you know they're they're learning the learning there is just a different experience and if you ever have zane kohler on the show he's also an a graduate that his mm. we share that alma mater <laughs> it's just a different kind of learning environment and it just fit me and i really really loved it awesome so that's what i ended up doing at age 19 uh, packed up and moved into the dorms on congress so when you were moving there, what was the major that you were going for? Fashion and textile as well? Initially started off as fashion design, and then I realized that I'd rather sell it than make it. Mm. The making part, which is, I think, a beautiful artistic process, I don't know that I have the full patience for because there's pattern making, and I don't know that I had enough of the passion for the construction and design part. But I was like, like, I really, I really love the idea of like one day owning my own store mm -hmm. and selling, selling these items. So I switched from fashion design to the fashion business. It's not a major, the major, it's like a really long title and they probably (laughs) changed it since, but it's like, you get your bachelor's in arts, entertainment, and media management. And so underneath that, it might be like sports management, um, music management, fashion management, and merchandising. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I switched to. So I entered entered in with the, the fashion business program. Awesome. So then do you, do they have like dorms and that kind of stuff that you lived in? Or did you have to find an apartment? How did that look for you? Columbia historically was a commuter college. Um, But so when I started there, there was only two dorm options and, and and it was kind of hard to get a spot. And if you didn't get a spot, you just have to find an apartment, whether it's in the South loop where, where Columbia is or out in one of the various neighborhoods of Chicago. So that, but that first year we felt strongly I should get, a dorm since I was would be new to the city mm-hmm. the dorm I moved in was the top four floors of the international hostel building on Congress Parkway is directly across the street from Roosevelt University so it was like my building L tracks Roosevelt University on Wabash and so our meal plan was actually at Roosevelt because these since Columbia didn't really do dorms all that well, mm-hmm. they partnered they partnered with Roosevelt so that we could have meal plans there. So every day we'd cross the street and go into the Roosevelt building and eat with the Rose- Roosevelt students. So yeah, started at the dorm first year, second year got an apartment, still in the South Loop, mm-hmm. right in the area where a lot of students would live if they lived in the South Loop. And Printer's Row, which I loved. I think it's a really cool neighborhood. We used to have this coffee shop called Gourmands. 
And mm. it was just every when you watched Friends growing up, you're like, oh my gosh, it'd be so cool. <laughs> like meet with my friends at like a coffee shop and this was like exactly that and it was so fun I loved it oh cool yeah so I really loved like my my Chicago college experience it was just a ton of fun awesome was that then four years for you then or is the degree a different length no you can finish in four I finished in five (laughs) <laughs> mine took a little longer because I I actually studied abroad my, oh very fun my junior year and that kind of slowed down I just wasn't able to get all the credits I needed that quarter not quarter that semester so I had to make up for it only I think only one extra semester that I had to do online so I believe I I, I graduated like, if you would say I started right at 2002, I graduated in 2006. So, really, I, oh, I say okay. five years because I it was five years, I guess, after high school, I suppose. But Gotcha. Where did you study yeah. abroad? In London. Ooh, that must have been really fun. Yeah. Originally, we were, I was going to Spain. My girlfriend, Caitlin, and I decided we were going to go, and the program that we signed up for the the admission or the registration for the the program that we're going through the numbers were so low they canceled it and they said hey, oh, wow. why, why don't you try a different a different company or mm-hmm. however it was and so when we had to basically start the process over you know have this heart to heart with my parents and you know I was like I don't know I, I'm picking Spain because that's what Caitlin wants but I don't know if that's a really good fit for me because I don't, her, like, major or minor was Spanish. <laughs> I was like, mine's not. And <laughs> so maybe I should do something where I know the language and it it's, doesn't, it's, you know, makes more sense for me. So just made the choice to take my own path with that. And I'm really glad I did. I just, seriously, three days ago, had a Zoom meetup with the girls that I studied abroad with. Oh, that's so And it's been 15 years. So, yeah. So, yeah. So doing that kind of slowed down my, my graduation time, but it was, it was a great experience and got to do a little bit of traveling from there. Got to go to Paris and Amsterdam and Scotland and a few other parts of England. So it was just a really, that's one of those things I recommend to a college student. And they're like, what's one thing you would have, you know, you piece of advice you give I'm like study abroad yeah my mom always told me that was her biggest regret that she didn't study abroad in college mm-hmm. and so she told me that my whole life growing up and my aunt did mm-hmm. and she went to Spain so when I went to college I studied mm-hmm. abroad three yeah. times <laughs> yeah I was like you for sure have right <laughs> yeah I've, like, lost track of the ones you've done yeah, so she told I just remember always growing up, she would always tell me that. So, yeah, I definitely couldn't recommend that enough. Mm-hmm. It's really f- formational and unforgettable. Very true. Mm-hmm. So when you were finishing up your degree, did you have, like, internships that you were doing to kind of lead you to your next possible job? Mm. Or what was that looking like for you? Well... 
And right before I actually went to study abroad, I had a come to Jesus moment where Jesus really was calling me to him after I was kind of, like I said, I was in high school, I was kind of a party girl and I was kind of a party girl in college. And, and that really is in, con- you know, in conflict, certainly with the, the church I grew up in and, and it can, and certainly can be in conflict with the faith I professed because it was really would affect the behavior I displayed a lot of times. That was not not a reflection of the Christian woman I, you know, was or wanted to be. And mm-hmm. so as I was going through that time when I was like 22 of really like kind of an identity crisis, the Lord met me on the floor and just said, you keep putting all these things in between us. Who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Because I hear you saying you want to be this, but then I see you do this. So who do you want to be, Sarah? And do you want to receive my love? And do you want to live wow. this life I'm calling you to? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, so that was right before study abroad. And so study abroad was kind of, it was a challenge because because of the setting and felt that conviction from the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and trying to navigate that. So when I came home, I really was like, you know what? I'm going to be serious. I'm going to be really serious about this. And I moved in with Chris and McShay because I came back and had one semester of college left. Actually, no, one year. Sorry, one year of college left Mm -hmm. and came back with no money. And so they let me live with them. I commuted down to Columbia. I started working at the Urban Outfitters. I was just opening at Oak Brook. And I had worked for Urban Outfitters for three years before that. That was my spot. That was my college job, Urban. So. Yeah, so living with them really helped recenter me on who I decided I wanted to be and mm-hmm. who I felt God was calling me to be. So I was able to get involved at the church and uh, just reevaluate and recenter things. And so in that that last spring quarter or semester, I was in this really awesome class. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And, and it's a class that was really hard to get into. So it was made up of three different majors. Either you were in fashion design, fashion business, or photography. And the whole class was styling photo shoots. Ooh, that's fun. It, it was so fun. And that's what I really wanted to be. I wanted to be a, um, a magazine fashion editor. I'd, after like learning all the different things, like, oh, I could open a store. That would be cool. But I I just loved, I always loved the magazines growing up. I was just always really drawn to the artistry of them. And so in this class, I just like poured myself into it. I loved it. I really enjoyed it. And at the end of the semester, the teacher, he says, he's like, he calls me or takes me aside in class. And he's like, Sarah, you worked really hard to get in this class. You fought to get in this class and you've really proved proven yourself and you work really hard and you have an eye for this and every every quarter or every semester we recommend someone to have an internship at Chicago Magazine in their editorial department Ooh. and we want to recommend you for this wow. summer internship yeah life-changing stuff and I was floored and overcome because I had already committed my summer doing a summer mission team oh no and the summer mission team was a central team which is not historically viewed as a very glamorous experience you know yep the other 
Right. So the other teams that summer were going to India are going to, I think, the Ukraine and to Kenya, I believe. And so I'm telling this instructor, my professor, I'm sorry, I can't because I'm going to be driving in a minivan from Indiana to Minnesota <laughs> to, to Illinois for the summer. <laughs> and, oh, and to Tennessee. And, oh, wait, 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 we'll go to Bahamas too. So that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. But he was like, wait, what? And I'm like, I've already, I've just, I've made this commitment. And is there any chance there's like a fall internship available? Because that would work perfect. And he's like, <laughs> no, no, there's not. Like, oh, you either no. do it or you don't. And I, I was in a dilemma, but I really felt strongly that I should follow through my commitment and that the Lord is, would, what or what I don't know. Like he would, he would just. I knew he would take care of, take care of all these things, and if I just trusted him, mm-hmm. and and he has been faithful to that. But it's you know, there's points where you wonder, like, wow, what what would have life been like if I would have taken that internship? And knowing yeah. knowing what my college and a bit of my high school life was like, I don't know that it would have been who. I don't know if it would have taken me to who I wanted to be. Mm. And, and I think I, you know, I, I made the right choice, even though it wasn't the glamorous choice. It wasn't the obvious worldly choice of what literally makes sense in mm-hmm. terms of you're going to graduate, Sarah, don't you want to have a job lined up? And I was like, I'll figure it out. <laughs> the, the Lord will make a way. And he did. And because after I did that mission trip, I just really formed a really strong relationship with crochet with the world missions department so when a job Mm -hmm. opened up in their department I was able to apply and I had all this experience with them that Mm -hmm. it was a natural progression to a job that has literally taken me all over the world to to Russia to Chile to Kenya to the Philippines you know I don't know that that would could have happened as a magazine editor? Sure, there's locations. <laughs> there's locations uh, where you do photo shoots. Yes, but would have would I would I have been in God's will doing those jobs? I don't. I can't. I can't. I can't say that I was or would have been. So wow. So I did not really have an internship. <laughs> I had the opportunity, but I did not take it. So you went on SMT for the summer, a central team, summer missions team, mm-hmm. and you kind of gave us a scope of the places that you went on or mm-hmm. went to. You kind of just highlighted how that trajectory for a little bit more in the future, but what came next for you after you completed that summer? After that summer, I I moved, so I was at the, it was like, the year before it was London, then the Shays, then summer mission team. And then I moved into apartment in Logan square. This is back in 2006. Okay. I'm just, I'm just giving everyone a timeline. OG Logan square. OG Logan square. Okay. You said it, not me. Okay. (laughs) Back in the day, I lived in the building where, where, what now houses, uh, what's it called? Bang, 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 pie. Wow. Have you been there? prestigious no but I I know the name that's my flex that's my flex for today I lived in that building before 
before the pies before the pies when all you had to worry about was no there was a lot of worries in that neighborhood back then but anyways so I, I moved after some mission team moved to logan square i kept my job at urban outfitters and i just rode my bike every day to, to work and came home and did online homework at the library, the local library, because I did not could not afford internet at the apartment. And <laughs> <laughs> so I was that's where I, I was in three places that year, at the public library, at work at Urban Outfitters, or I was at the core because I was still very, at that point I was living I was really living out my faith in 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 a lot of ways. So that was for the during fall winter, and then that mm-hmm. job opened up at, in World Missions. And, and I applied and I got, and I got the job. And so after that, I moved to Oak Park with the incomparable Lindsay Bailey. That is when Lindsay and I became roomies in 2007. Ooh, very yeah. fun. And oh, she, to the timeline. By the time this podcast comes out, she will have already been a guest on the podcast. I just don't know which episode number yet. Ooh, okay, cool. Oh, look yeah. at us go. Look at us. <laughs> awesome. So you were living in Oak Park and mm-hmm. you were commuting to your job because that was in another suburb, correct? Displains, yep. THQ <laughs> Territorial Headquarters at that time was in Displains. So we'd, we lived down the street from our friends Kathleen and Eric Himes. And we made a friend I went to, actually I went to elementary school with, I connect reconnected with because I found out she lived in, she actually lived in the Austin neighborhood just next to Oak Park. And so she, I told her, hey, she wanted a job in ministry. And I said, hey, there's this job opening in the youth department at THQ. She, she applied, she got the job. So me, her oh, name is Kristen. Fun. Yeah. So me, Kristen, Eric would carpool from That's Oak so Park cute. to Displains. <laughs> and we had so much fun. We had a blast for about a good year of carpooling. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Very fun. So you started your new job. How did how did that go for you? What were some highlights and takeaways that you had from that time? I know you kind of already said mm-hmm. some, but just want to leave space. Yeah, I, during that time was a lot. It was a lot of fun working at THQ because there's a lot of young adults getting our getting their careers started in different roles at THQ. And so we, we just had a lot of fun together on lunches and breaks and we would really like come alongside each other and help each other with different projects or how to write a certain email or, (laughs) you know, I I got, I was, Eric would ask me to be on staff at CB Align, the young adult track. And I just loved that. That was a lot of fun and help with regeneration, the conference, Mm -hmm. So I loved pieces of that. And I loved fundraising and the job I had for World Missions. I handled the child sponsorship and additional kind of above and beyond fundraising. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I got to just be really creative in that job. And Chris really mentored me and she really trusted me and brought out a lot of good things to me and helped, you know, helped me in the very beginning when I was just learning how to work in an office and Mm -hmm. didn't know certain not, not etiquette's not the right word, but just professionalism, I guess. <laughs> she helped, you know, round out some edges 
for me yeah. where you know my old job at urban outfitters you could just like wear whatever Wanna. you wanted you know like you the weirder you dress the better you know so she never tried to change the way I dressed but that's kind of the environment I was coming from yeah it was this real like loose and loose and wild space to like oh this is an office and this is how it works and this is how you start an email address, address a certain person or this is how you don't do things so <laughs> it, it was a good time of learning and I really I received those things I never I never I don't remember getting defensive about that training I received but just was like okay got it got it got it okay I just want to learn I just want to do good I just want to do, do the best I can and it was a really good time to really be around a lot of Christians. And I loved that because I hadn't had that. I really, in a very concentrated space ever, besides just living with my parents. Mm -hmm. So to live, live with, with Lindsay, who's a Christian, then go to work with all these Christians and go to church. It was becoming a bit of a bubble, but it was Mm -hmm. a kind of a, it was something I needed at the time to really disciple me and, just keep centering me on what what was what was important in my life. This week in our sponsor spot is me, Audrey and the No Wrong Turns Pod. Right now we are gearing up for year two of the podcast. Usually we pre-record slash batch record episodes so that we can be consistent in getting an episode to you every other Tuesday. At this moment, we are in the process of reaching out to possible new guests and need your help. Who do you want to have on the podcast? Or do you have a story and passion that you want to share with us? If this invitation is grabbing you and you want to hear more about what it would be like to be a guest on the pod, reach out to us on our social medias at NoWrongTurnsPod or email us at NoWrongTurnsPod at gmail.com. Reaching out to us just means you want to hear more. No obligation to share your story if it ends up not being your thing. Thank you so much for sharing this first year of podcasting with me and the No Wrong Turns pod. All right, back to Sarah's story. So that was, it was a lot of fun those first five years, but then I just felt God said at one point at that fifth year mark, your time, you've done all you could do here. It's time to move on. Wow. Yep. And so then I, through some various conversations and really wanting to put my, my degree in fashion to, to work. Mm -hmm. Someone's like, you should reach out to major John Aaron and see, cause he runs, you know, he runs thrift stores in Chicago and you love thrift stores and you love vintage and antiques. And that just seems like a really good fit for you. So I did, I reached out to him and transferred from, territorial headquarters to the adult rehabilitation center running overseeing some stores and working with managers and really at that time they were opening they were getting ready to tear down kind of like their flagship store Mm -hmm. to rebuild it okay in the lincoln park neighborhood which is the really top-notch donations it's just like a great store I've gotten really nice things there same (laughs) yeah (laughs) so good so I got to be a part of the leadership team that revamped that rebuilt and then reopened that store and that was just great learning there and learning about this ministry the Salvation Army does that really so many Salvationists just don't have really a clue about the Mm -hmm. it's really like a two-part thing the the ministry of people 
working out their recovery and then the employees that run the stores and it's we have such opportunity there to reach people and to love people and it can be hard in that environment because you're really requiring a lot from people you know it's still it's a business you're selling things yeah. And you're selling them not to make anyone rich, just to fund a very important program that changes lives mm-hmm. and to send money back to uh, the headquarters so that other programs can get maintained. It's just all about serving people. And so it's like the more money we can make, the more people we can reach and serve and support. And, you know, customers don't like it when you raise prices because they're like, you got all this stuff for free. <laughs> Yeah. So you're like, yeah, we did get it for free. We have to honor the donors by not giving away these Ray-Ban sunglasses for $2. Ray-Ban sunglasses with the receipt for $160, we should ask, uh, you know, at least $20 for, you know, but mm-hmm. so just like, it was just an interesting part of, it's an interesting part of the army where you're learning how to honor the donors, meet the need of the customer. Mm-hmm support the the employees and help men and women in recovery it's just such a diverse space of ministry and that is where I met my husband Simon awesome yeah so you went you started working there and how long how long were you in that space or like working that job Mm -hmm. I only worked there for a year and a half wow and you just happened to meet Simon during that time yeah I I that's what I came for, I guess. <laughs> no, I, I, I just, it just was the way the Lord un, unfolded things, you know. I met him pretty quickly after getting, getting the job. He was one of the truck drivers, the most, you know, like trusted truck driver. He's very, such a hard worker, so efficient, very honest. So when you're, you know, in that job, you're really trying to build a team of people you could trust and, and everything's moving very quickly in that industry. I don't think a lot of people realize that. And so when I'm talking to the dispatch guy, I say, what driver can I trust that will get to all the locations, all the donation pickups, get to the store with a full truck before the end of the day? And he said, Simon, every day of the week, it's always going to be Simon. And so... That just was like, okay, who's Simon? <laughs> who's this guy? <laughs> and then that, so that's really how we met was this really trustworthy Christian, godly man pouring his heart into his work. He just gives 100%. And so that certainly caught my attention. He's tall and handsome. So I was like, who's <laughs> yeah, this he's guy? very tall. <laughs> Six, seven. So we're not joking when we say tall and handsome. He's tall. Yeah. So you guys met, started dating, mm-hmm. and then you got married <laughs> pretty yep. kind of quick, right? Yeah. Yeah. We were, we met and I think we are both at that point in life, we were 29 when we met and really hoping the next person we met would be the person we started our lives with. And so we were kind of both over the dating experience and just was like, we're really praying, both praying independently. Lord, well, I was a little snarky with God <laughs> because in the community and culture of our, of our ch- church, the Salvation Army, 
I was just like, Lord, you got to bring someone in my life because I'm never going to meet the person for me in the Salvation Army. I can see that. And <laughs> I, re- I really felt he was like, oh, really? Is that what you think? <laughs> okay, challenge accepted. You know, like, <laughs> and... And sure enough, I met, I met my man in the army, just not, not certainly not in the way I expected. And it's just been beautiful surprises and blessings ever since. So once we met, I think it didn't take very long for us to just to know and decide and be like, you're the person I want to be with. And we're not 24. Not that there's anything with, wrong at all with getting married at 24, mm-hmm. but we are old enough to have gone through a number of relationships to say, like, okay, this we know what we want. Mm-hmm. So I guess at this point, why wait? Let's start our life together. And so we made that that those vows and that covenant seven years ago, and here we are. Awesome. So after you guys got married, would you get married while you still had that same job or had you moved on to something else by that time? Oh, yeah. So by the time we got married, it was just about a year since I had started at the ERC. So is it, we got married in April and when that summer hit, I really felt like actually you're not going to stay here all that much longer and (laughs) and you know and so in that I was like Lord what what is next like and so I started actually kind of evaluating what my 20s had been like Mm -hmm. in the church specifically and and it was it was challenging because a lot of my friends were married and they hadn't quite started having kids yet. They, or they no, they just started. Kathleen and Eric who just had Wendy, but a lot of my other, you know, what I was realizing was how church really compartmentalizes people based on where they are in life, or not even where they are in life, but what's their status? Are they married? Are they divorced? Mm-hmm. Do they have kids? Mm-hmm. Are they in college? And and I felt in my 20s that, and especially in my late 20s, I was like, this, this, this church, not just this church, but any church, a church body does not know what to do with someone like me right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not college, so let's just stop people in their late 20s with people in college, if that's not what they want. She's not in college. She's not married. She doesn't have kids. Okay, she's a single adult. What do we do with single adults? And that's never been really well done, I don't think. Because I don't think that's what society wants, really. And then, therefore, and it's not what the church wants. The church, you know, often wants you to, you know, graduate high school, maybe college, get married, start having kids, and repeat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, grow kids to do the same. <laughs> and I, I felt very, I was like, where do I fit into all these different categories? Because I just don't feel like I fit in any of them. But I was, and it came down to the, well, I am a woman. Okay, so what is, what's a woman doing this? Like, oh, there's women's ministry. So I was starting to like, just by kind of like breaking down the, the reality, I guess, of who I am and who I was. I was like, well, that's what I am. I'm a Christian woman, so I guess maybe 
women's ministries could be a space for me. And so I just started really thinking about and praying about um, pursuing women's ministries. And over that summer, I, I was thinking at a lot at a larger scale, thinking about it at the local level of church, because mm-hmm. all my best friends were in, in this really wonderful and beautiful young married couples group. But it was really hard for me because I wasn't. And, and I just had to, they all would hang out and have a really beautiful time together. And, and it, it built their friendships and I was missing out on that. And it really, really hurt. And I never want to then or now make them feel bad for that, but it's just what it, it was, what it was. Yeah. I didn't have a spouse and I didn't get to be a part of that. And I had to try to make my own way. And what do we do with those people? Because a lot of people that get pushed in that situation, just leave church. Mm-hmm. So if you're not, if you choose to kind of fight through that, where do you go? And in, in those spaces, in those small groups. And so then I started thinking about it, not just at the local level, but at a larger level, like for our church, the Salvation Army Women's Ministries is like an international institute. Like it's a really big and important part of the Salvation Army. If the Salvation Army is going to get started a new core or just going to break ground in a new country, women's ministries is one of the first things that gets established. It's just Mm. historically a very important pillar of, of our local church and larger institution of the Salvation Army. So I was thinking, I was like, what influence does our territory international or international have on the local level of this this group this women's ministries and I was like it's not it's not looking that great it's not bridging the the gap because for the most part we're thinking of it as the ministry for grandmas and we're Mm -hmm. not thinking of it as what does this mean for us just as a woman a woman a Christian woman do I want to be a part of these spaces with other women because if it looks like this right now I don't think I do but it's a very valuable experience and so I just started thinking about it and praying about it. And I ended up writing a job proposal. Oh, wow. And a job description. And I had sent it and that I'd, the year before when I was still in women or still in world, I had gone on with then Colonel Don Heatwall, who was the territorial secretary for women's ministry. So I just spent, you know, I spent 12 days with her. And so fast forward a year and I have this thought placed on my heart by the Lord. And so I reached out to her with it. I'm like, Hey, this is what I I've been thinking and praying about this. And I think you guys should hire someone or make a position for someone to focus on kind of rebranding and breathing new life into women's ministries and really focusing on young women. And really the, the gap is from high school to 60 because Young adult women are doing their own thing, more 20s, women in their 20s, and women in their 30s and 40s are oftentimes mothers, and their focus mm-hmm. is their children and what their children's activities are, and not necessarily pouring into themselves. So, all that to say, I wrote this proposal and this job description, and they were into it, and they were like, okay, we're going to move on this, and you're welcome to apply. <laughs> so nice uh, so I applied and yeah yep. and so interviewed and and got the job and that happened in like really a fairly because 
by the time I wrote the proposal, it was before their budget year, which was a, a good time to do it. And then they just re- reworked their budget and got it approved to add a new position to their department for October 1st. So I started October 1st. Wow, that's awesome. did that awesome. for almost six years. Wow. Can you share some of the highlights from that position? Yeah, the some highlights. The initial, if I break it into kind of the two years, every two years, the first two mm-hmm. years I felt was a lot of research and a lot of information gathering and mm-hmm. and and seeing what other denominations were doing, other nonprofits even were doing. What was the what was the pulse of women women's ministry or women in ministry in the United States? What was drawing people in? What was what 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 Bible studies were people ordering a lot? What was mm. you know was it Beth Moore? Who who were people receiving from that really made an impact on them? And in that time, in those first two years, the if gathering happened. You, you know, yeah, Jenny yeah, Allen. and that was Jenny Allen had this huge movement and idea of just discipling women, discipling the next generation. Mm -hmm. And she's a wordsmith. Just the way that she conveyed her message, I feel like women just like flocked to this concept and to the the if gathering thing of, yeah, like I want to be, I want to be discipled. I want to be around other women. I want to be encouraged. I want to encourage others. I want to study the Bible. I want to do all these things. And so they were just drawn to this conference that she put on. And so, you know, my ears and just perked up and I just started mm-hmm. really trying to figure out what it, what did everyone love about this? And it was, it was, in my thought, it was the, the teaching of course was really phenomenal. She, she, she touched on these things of this discipleship and calling. And I think so many people, you know, a big part of yours is your podcast is about passion, right? Yeah, definitely. So it was, it was her validating passion and, and saying, God can use your passion. Rebecca Lyons is a part of, was a part of that kind of group. And she, she has this thing. She says, your calling is where your passion and, oh gosh, how she put it <laughs> I'll have to get back to you but it was like your passion and your something else collides that mm-hmm. is your calling and so I think just women really responded to that and they felt very validated that they might have a calling that God could use mm-hmm. and and then the other part of Jenny Allen and if their method and what drew women in I think it was just the artistry of their presentation aesthetically it was just yeah so beautiful And I think it just really, it speaks to that. I think that creative piece of women where, where they love beauty. And Mm -hmm. so she just like, I think she hit on like all these senses and women really responded. You know, I don't really believe in reinventing the wheel, but the Salvation Army cart, (laughs) if you will, is so unique that I was like, you know, if if we adopt any of these kind of concepts, because there's really nothing new under the sun. We all we all draw ideas from mm-hmm. other people's concepts, and if it lines up next to the Bible, then you know you can run with it. And yeah, and so I just I saw what they're doing. We can adapt this, adapt this to our women, and make a salvation a little you know a little more Salvation Army centric or centered on the Lord, but with that Salvation Army 
not vibe, <laughs> but because context always a great context. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. I'm like, what is the word? Yeah, like put it in a Salvation Army context, and and so we so started moving in that direction, and from all that research and gathering came the came embrace. An embrace very much modeled off of their like if table concept of monthly gatherings of just a handful of women discussing questions and it really and our women responded really well to that and and the even international heard about it and put it in their international women's magazine and from there I was getting leadership signups from from South Africa, from the Philippines, from all these countries oh. and other territories. And it was just really cool to be like, wow, guys, yeah, we gotta, we really got to pay attention to what is making our women tick, what's catching their attention, what, is, what they're craving, what they are, they're needing fed. How are, they, how are we discipling our women? Mm-hmm. And so, so just the Embrace launch was a huge highlight for me. Launching the new website and the new logo, that was a huge highlight for me and that was in 2016 and then and in that 2016 through 18 was the planning of the rise and shine conference that was probably the it was like I end up leaving a year after that but that felt like my final I'm gonna get like I knew at the point I was gonna be leaving oh wait no I didn't but either way but and that's just how I how I, I think I function is when I will, if I'm really passionate about something, I'm just going to give every ounce of my ideas, my thoughts, my prayers towards making, just giving it everything I could possibly give. So I feel like I just poured myself empty into a rise and shine. And so that was a huge, that'll be a highlight, I think, just for even my ministry career, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word, was being a, you know, a resolution wasn't perfect. There were certainly things that went wrong, things that went wrong in the final hour that we had no control over, but there right. was so much more good, good that happened than disastrous moments that we can just reflect back and be thankful to the Lord that he, he used that time to gather so many women. These over 1500 women, which in our territory had never, we'd never gathered that way before. So it was just really exciting to see so many women together. So that was a huge highlight. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So that was, you said in your last year or so mm-hmm. in that position. And then what happened in your story next after that? Because mm-hmm. another shift was coming, but how did, yeah. how did that happen? Can you walk us through that? Yeah. Well, what happened in my personal life that impacted decisions going forward and I was even in that rise and shine planning was walking through drudging through some personal stuff was my dad had died in 2017 Mm -hmm. and he was only 59 and just probably just the worst thing that's ever happened to me and I and I know I'm not unique in that way I know a lot of a lot of our friends have lost parents at really young ages and and I so I know they know how hard, <laughs> how hard it is to navigate life and be normal. And when you lose a parent, 
like your nuclear family. It's like life before they died and life after they died. So so in this drudging through life after after he died, I felt I felt the Lord say, You need to stop doing what you're doing at the core, at the church level. Oh, wow. You need to just take take a break. Don't you're gonna be busy basically you're gonna be busy at work. So give yourself some breaks in this area mm-hmm. and just let yourself take rest at home if you need it. Don't fill yours. Don't make yourself busy just to not feel it all, but like feel it all. I want you to feel it all. And, and a lot of people are like, then I felt, then I felt a lot of peace. And I was like, not me. I did not feel a lot of peace after that. (laughs) I felt a lot of discontentment and I felt a lot of struggle because I was actually, I was really missing what I was doing at the core because we were making, I was the women's ministry secretary at core I attended and we were doing a lot of the things that we would, I would introduce territorially. I, I would pilot, I would try out at the core first to see if it, people were interested or feasible. Yeah. And so we were making a lot of really fun, having a lot of fun changes and experiences with the women at Oak Brook. And, and I loved it. I really, really loved being a part of that. And so for the Lord to like say, let someone else work on that for now. And you just, you just be with, you just be with me. So in that time, I would just get really, just have the immense sadness of the loss experience. But then I also kind of had this other loss of not doing the ministry I really cared about. And so I was like, God, why would you kind of make me go through a loss and a loss? Yeah. <laughs> this doesn't feel, I don't really get it. But what happened in that time is I really realized how much I loved that local church ministry. And I would even... I would wish that Simon made twice as much money. And I would be like, because if he made more money, I could just quit my job and I could just go to the core. And I could just be like one of those full-time volunteer people and do what I really care about. And and not and I could give a hundred percent to doing the job I do at the core instead of giving just a fraction of my energy because I have to worry mm-hmm. about work. And in that thought process. I like felt the Lord say, people do that all the time, Sarah. They become core officers. So if you want to, <laughs> if, if that's something you want to do, if that's something you want to do, you want to really pour into the local church, you can do that. But it's going to, you're going to have to leave your life to gain that. And I was like, whoa, that's heavy. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I can, I don't know about all that. And so I was like, Lord, you got to talk to Simon because this isn't something you do on your own. You do this married. So, and I would, I would just pray. I was praying this prayer, like, Lord, yoke us in ministry, whatever that means. And I didn't, when I was praying that for a while, actually, and I had even before this thought of becoming an officer came in my mind because I, I really wanted that to share that ministry part with my spouse. And I didn't know what that would look like because we tried, we did try, we tried YPL. That's our mm-hmm. youth group. We did that together and we tried it out and we're like, okay, wasn't like electric. <laughs> yeah. Let's maybe something else and, and nothing else really came, you know, cause there's mm-hmm. not a lot of shared ministry, not a ton of shared ministry opportunities you can have with your spouse outside of youth ministry mm-hmm. or music ministry. So I was just praying like, Lord, okay. Like, you know what, you know, I want something with him. So just yoke that up <laughs> whenever you're ready. <laughs> and so after 
it was after really rise and shine that I had that thought. And so about six months after that, Simon, he had a counter on the highway where he had pull over because he was making plans to one day become a president in his company and this commercial construction company he worked for. And, and really they were there, the, the, they were starting to groom him for that. They were um, preparing him in a lot of ways for like, Hey, well, this is like a natural next step. And you've done a lot to impact our, our company positively. And here's some things that you could do to get prepared. And, and he did, he started taking, doing some things on the side to, uh, you know, put some more, you know, tools in his toolbox, figuratively speaking. But the Lord just was like, that's not what I want you to do. And so he had this moment driving in his truck on the way to work. And so that day, either that day or at lunch or something, he calls me and is like, hey, we got to talk. Wow. (laughs) uh, Yeah. And so he comes home and is like, I think we're supposed to be officers. What do you, what do you think about that? And I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? At that time, and then I don't say that totally like in a dread way. It was just kind of like, log- I think for me, sometimes it's more logistically like, oh my gosh, I have to yeah. sell my house. I have to quit my job. I got to do all this stuff. Are you kidding me? Pack everything up. Pack everything up. Sell everything. Are you, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> so, you know, we... But he was serious. I was like 100% sure how serious he was. And I was like, well, you got, yeah, you know, when you're in the Salvation Army, you have to be, you know, um, if you want to become a pastor, an officer, you have to be a member of the church, which is like you are a soldier. And he was not yet a soldier. And I was like, honey, you have to be a soldier first. So it was like kind of like challenging him. Like, if this is what you want, you're going to have to talk to Major Pook. And they're not, he like halted like that within like five minutes of me saying that and, and he left and he went over to their house and I was like wow oh. I'm like what's going on <laughs> I'm like on the floor with the dog like okay my life's about to change <laughs> so yeah so that's kind of how the journey began just you know trusting the Lord that he would I, well first bring me some healing in this loss I was experiencing from my dad and and the Lord really used that time of grieving to to remind me what of what I care about, what matters to me, and ways that He's equipped me, and and that's kind of that's where I feel like it really began. I'm mean, like there are things from years ago, even on mission trips, you kind of have those moments if you if you're being hosted by a really fantastic officer. And you're like, wow, here, if I could just be like them, maybe I would do want to do this. And and then you kind of let it, you know, let it sit on, on the burner and or take it off the burner because it's not re- you're like, oh, maybe it's not a real idea. But but, it, you know, the thought came back much, much more intensely. What, two years ago? And then here we are in it, you know. And what I can say, you know, for some. I'm going to jump ahead because okay. <laughs> I started thinking about it when you ta- started talking about the myths mm-hmm. of the passion. How would you phrase that? Qu- How'd you phrase that question? I Is said, it okay for me to jump ahead like that? Go for it. What were some myths that you mm. believed before oh, right. you, 
before you started your passion or just like an outsider mm -hmm. looking in? And then if you have any myths that you hear a lot about now that you could debunk. So either of those two yeah. routes. Well, answering specifically the passion thing, I wouldn't like say becoming an officer is my passion. I Being obedient to God since choosing to be obedient to him initially back in when I was 22, that's really been a driving force within me is mm -hmm. to how can I be within the will of God? How can I say yes to him again today and again today and again today? And so saying yes to officership was just another act of obedience for me. Mm -hmm. And the myth I think I believed and I think maybe help me back, but help me back for the right time. Honestly, there's an idea passed around and enforced in a lot of spaces um, because it's true for a lot of people that you become an officer because you are called to become an officer. And that is true for a lot of people. Um, I don't, I never have, and I, I've never identified with that idea or concept. And in fact, I think it held me back for a number of years for giving it some real thought because it's like, all oh, these people talk about this really intense calling, even this moment at the altar, or mm -hmm. they just knew God was, this was a calling God had on their life. And I was like, I don't know that I have that calling. And if it's very specific, the way I've heard it described every year for so many years since childhood, and I guess I'm not called. But I feel like the Lord continues to tell me, I call you into obedience every day. Mm -hmm. And this becoming an officer, really, when I look at the scope of the ministry I've done, to me, it just feels like a natural progression to continual service to him and to continually being in his will is stepping into officership. And so I feel I just feel called to obey him. I think mm -hmm. we all have that calling. It's always going to look a little different. I mean, you read the Bible, and that is the continued theme, certainly in the Old Testament, but throughout is obedience. Mm -hmm. And saying, and I think I think he did, leave, you know, I feel God has said, this is where I want you to go. What, do you want to do it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, it, I'm not trying to make it casual. I really am not. But I just felt like it was also a choice for me. I said, I'm, this is a natural progression for me to step to step into officership, to, to say yes to this. And so, and in some ways, and I don't want to say this and make it sound like a, like I, like officership is something you settle for. Mm -hmm. But as I've, looked at the ministry I've done, I think there was even a point where I was like, well, what else would I do? This is something I've always, not always, but, you know, in my 20s and now in my 30s, I'm like, I've always been a part of this ministry. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine doing anything else. Maybe that's the better way to say it. I can't yeah. imagine. I've thought about it and I've even get different points. Like, you know, when you're fed up in a job and you're just like, I'm going to send out applications. Yeah, you know, I, I've done that when I've had dark, those dark, disappointing moments, and nothing would ever happen of them out in like the marketplace, out in in different industries. And 
I do believe those that's just the Lord closing the door. Like, no, this is where I want you. I want you in. I want you in this church ministry, in this Christian ministry. I want you here. So no, you, no, I'm not going to let you go off that way. You've already done all those, had all those off the path moments. Let's let's stay back on the path. This is where I brought you. Let's stay here. So no, don't stop doing that. And if you keep doing it, I'm just going to keep shutting the doors. And so this door certainly did not get shut, you know, as we pursued it. Was it easy? No, there's a lot of really hard moments of uprooting your life after you've established yourself as an adult and bought homes, sold homes, bought homes, just watched your parent die, you know, all these very adult experiences that I know, yeah, of course, a number of people have experienced at younger ages, but it very much impacts you. You, you age, <laughs> you age yeah. when you done these things and experience these things. So to kind of stop that and kind of start over again, that's also a very adult decision, you know, to uproot your life and keep saying yes to God, even when it's really dramatic and, and big and hard. It's I've found so far, even even when though it can be very difficult to be on this campus, that God is is with me, and He's faithful. And even in the ways that I would have said, it would look like God is faithful if mm-hmm. God is always like, okay, you need to keep at it because you don't really know me quite yet. <laughs> you you need to you need to pray more child you need to get into the word more you need to seek the holy spirit more because i don't think you know me quite yet if that's if that is how you equate faithfulness to basically Mm -hmm. granting you wishes so my daughter you need to stop and and i've had some hard lessons with that and yeah but he is faithful even in even in the ways you wouldn't imagine wow That's so good. I feel like there's so many things that you said that just really resonated with me. I really like how you kind of clarified that throughout your time. I think we can really see throughout your story, just once you said yes to serving Jesus and having a relationship with him, that has been part of your, your, your story of obedience. Like you said, saying yes yes to what he has for you and even just having that that time that you described just the conviction from the holy spirit and being like oh no i'm saying yes but what is this going to mean and you had that so many different points along your story and it just been interesting to say it's the same question and same answer but different Mm -hmm. circumstances each time along your story yeah that's such a good summary audrey So I have a question for you. For people who are hearing your story and they're like, wow, saying yes, it just sounds so simple and so easy. What kind of, I don't know if you have any advice or maybe you heard some advice and and maybe this kind of resonated with you along your journey, but do you think you have anything specific as far as is somebody's hearing this and they're like, you know what? I kind of resonate with this saying yes and obedience to God. What would you tell them? Uh, you know, I feel like for good or for bad, sometimes I had a lot of ones that I did really allow myself to be discipled. And 
there's there's things that I've people spoken to me that I wish I would have listened to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's things that were spoken into me that I wish I would have just kind of left on the the floor, the drawing room floor. Yeah. Um, or the cutting room, cutting room floor. <laughs> and I would say seek the spiritual gift of discernment. Mm. And really give a lot of thought and study and prayer to spiritual gifts. And what I've learned a lot about that actually in the last couple months, really through the teaching of my husband and I teaching each other. Because we, I think, especially in quarantine, we've had so much time <laughs> to uh, time and space to really hear each other and to pray more. And you've heard the things I've shared about core ministry and and territorial ministry and so many things. I was, you know, like I thought those are my gifts of, you know, like production or productivity that mm-hmm. benefited people there was results, you know, a brand new logo that meant something very specific and unique to women, Christian women, or a brand new small group program, a brand new email newsletter, whatever, a brand new at the core where I started an annual women's retreat at the core that was really special and, Mm -hmm. and fun. So all these kind of results-based things almost, or tangible even. And so since being at the college, which does have a a high emphasis on academics, I haven't been able to do the things I've done in the past that made me feel fulfilled in ministry. And, mm. and so I've been having a hard time. And so in this, going back to what I've been learning the last two months, the Lord's like, you, there's giftings I have for you that aren't these results things are these event-based things. Yes, you you could be gifted in how you plan a program, Sarah, but I have other gifts for you too. Wow, and they're so good. They're very, they're ones that you've been afraid of. They're ones that the church has been afraid of. Mm-hmm. Are you going to ask for them? Are you going to pray about them? Are you going to practice them? And and that's been very profound for for me and for us as we really take kind of take stock in what is valuable in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Yes, events, events can be very valuable. Programs can be very valuable because they create the space for people to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and accept him as their savior. But at the same time, there is so much, there's just so much more, you know, they say about the brain, we only use 10% of it. It's the same concept in, in the spiritual life. We only happen to the very, very tip of the iceberg of, of what God has for us in terms of spiritual giftings. So that's something I would say is just really reevaluate what you know or believe about spiritual gifts and pray for discernment so that you know what to do with that when people pour into you and, mm-hmm. and disciple you. Because there's good things and there are things that just aren't for you. Yeah. You know, they, it's a, it could be very good advice, but it could have been better advice for Audrey than Sarah. Mm-hmm. And it might have been advice that they received at one point that they said, I know I got to pass this down one day, but it was not, it really wasn't intended for me. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to say, receive it because you feel like the Lord is, is, has sent that for you or to be like, nope, that's, that one was not for me and, and know how to grace, graciously set it aside and, 
keep moving forward. And, and even with that, be very conscious and discerning and careful with your, the words you put on other people. Because mm-hmm. you will receive as you are discipled. But if you're discipling others, be, be very wise in the words that you give them. For example, I won't go into great detail. Our friend Sarah Ruthberg, I passed advice mm-hmm. on to her that I, I experienced. But then in the aftermath, I was like, I don't know if that was really great advice for her. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it worked for me in my context and in my life. And I might've thought that was a universal truth, but maybe, maybe it wasn't for her yeah. and, and maybe it wouldn't be for you either. And so not to really project onto others what was right for you, because maybe mm-hmm. it won't be right for them. Um, so don't be so quick to give advice. Just listen, do a lot of listening and then do some praying. And then maybe if you feel a guy gave you, gave you something to share with that person, call him later and say, Hey, I, this came to me. What do you feel about this? So don't be so quick to give advice. (laughs) Yeah, I I really like how you kind of walked through that. Just the whole idea of discernment and just asking God to to give you that wisdom. Because I think, like you said, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of cool on Instagram quotes or, you know different things that are lettered really beautifully but it may look really cool or whatever it may sound you know like people are telling you package just these great words mm-hmm. but it may not be for you at this time at this moment mm-hmm. maybe later right. maybe maybe they needed that advice yeah. before or something but mm-hmm. I think I think that is a big takeaway that I can really resonate with of uh, just praying for discernment of is God, is this for me? Is this, is this something I need to take with me? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's really good, Sarah. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you can gain something and glean something from that. That's what I discerned. <laughs> I like, I like what you did there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for just sharing your story and your overarching passion and your mini passions of, you know, fashion and serving in the church. Those have been really awesome to hear about. Thank you so much for joining us each week to listen to our awesome guests as they come and chat about their story and their passions and how their passions have grown and evolved throughout their story. I am super humbled and so honored that you would choose to download and listen to these conversations every other week through inviting me into your earbuds, your headphones, your car, your Google home, wherever you listen to us. Thank you so much, friend. I am so grateful for you. Can you do me a favor? If you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, would you do that in whatever podcast player or app that you're listening to us on today? If you're already subscribed, thank you so much, friend. I truly, truly appreciate it. It makes a huge difference. I would love to if you could share the show with a friend. I find out about so many different shows through recommendations from friends. Maybe some of you have found out about this show through a friend sharing it with you. Lastly, would you please leave a rating or review on whatever podcast player or app that you're listening to us on? Thank you so much. I know that these things may seem small, subscribing, sharing the show, leaving a rating and review, but they truly do make a huge difference in new listeners finding the No Wrong Turns pod. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here, for listening, for cheering on the No Wrong Turns pod. Thank you for subscribing, sharing, and reviewing the show. 
So before we close, I just want to ask you one question that I ask all the podcast guests, and that is what's fueling your passion and Mm -hmm. what's fueling you today? So this could be anything from maybe a new Netflix show that you found Mm. or a new cooking concoction that you've made during the quarantine Mm -hmm. or a new book find. Well, there's a few things I'm like excited about. Mm -hmm. Um, I got new glasses. (laughs) I got new frames. And that look, they kind of, look great. It kind of gives me an energy or, or, or excitement. It's kind of a surface, superficial one. It just is giving me hope in these dark days. <laughs> no, but I'm reading this book called Spiritual Gifts in the Local Church. Mm-hmm. And it really connects back to what I was talking about, like really using this time to truly seek spiritual gifts. And I think that's giving me a lot of hope. And it's really, if my passion is uh, to serve with the local church and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, that's really, that is kind of fueling that passion and giving me more courage and giving me, man, I'm going to say something and it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of like I'm going to drop that and there's no time to go any further. (laughs) really trying to open my eyes to spiritual warfare and, and, and just what that looks like as a, as a follower of Jesus, because it's real Mm -hmm. and it's doing a lot of damage and, but our God is bigger and greater and he wants to use us to do even more than he, it's, that's what the word says that he, he wants us to do even more than he did. And man, what does that mean? And so just really trying to discover that through the scriptures and Holy Spirit and reading this book to see what God, like God has this for us. He said, all believers, I have gifts for you. And, and so, yeah, I'm feeling fueled by that, that, that reality. That's a reality if you're willing to grab hold of it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for again, for just sharing your story and your passions and just being so open with us today. You're welcome. Thank you for the invitation and thank you for your patience with me. Yeah, no problem. Friends, I have loved our conversation with Sarah. There were many different parts of Sarah's story that stuck out to me. One of those was the importance and the reverence that Sarah spoke about the idea of being obedient to God. I love how she said it. She said, a driving force within me is how I can be within the will of God, saying yes to him today. I love how she phrased this idea of obedience, that how that's an act that happens on the daily, and how looking at decisions and asking God, is this in your will for me? I also love how she shared the importance of seeking the spiritual gift of discernment and how using how you can use this gift to be able to weed out things that God doesn't have for you so you can be able to see the things God does have for you. I hope that you are all encouraged today through Sarah's story and her passions. My prayer is that you would consider what God has for you and what he might be leading you to. Our episode was edited by Sophia Bote, social media managed by Olivia Bote, and you can see the show notes for our music credits. All right, guys, enjoy your week and happy Thanksgiving. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. That would be so awesome. 
and I will see you back here next time for our conversation with Taylor Rambo. Hey friends, you have just listened to the No Wrong Turns pod with Audrey Lakeman Hunter. I'm Audrey and I'm your host and I am so happy that you are here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are bringing you new shows every other Tuesday and always have on some awesome guests to come and chat about their story and their passions and how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. Subscribe today to the No Wrong Turns pod with Audrey Hickman Hunter on your podcast player or app so you will never miss an episode. See you next time.